to a resource from Jambrew Anglican Church. All right, here's the first one. How do we shine light on evil to expose it? Well, it's a question that came from last week's talk from Ephesians chapter 5, which ended with these two verses, which is what caused the question, I think. Uh, But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it's said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And so the question is, well, thanks for that. How do we shine light on evil to expose it? How do we actually do it? And I think the simple answer is that we, the people of God, when we are filled with his light, which is what it says there, then naturally we'll just light up the place. We will light up the place, we'll light up the darkness as we ourselves have God's light in us, the light from Christ. And I think that'll mean, and so that's kind of the metaphor, but but what does it actually mean when the rubber hits the road in real life? Well, I take it that it means that our behaviour as followers of Jesus, it's going to have an impact on the people that we see, whether it's at school or it's work, at home, wherever it is. We'll just shine out our light in the dark world. But ultimately, it won't just be what we do, as significant as that is. It'll actually be as, as we talk about Jesus, because that's in fact how it is that we have the light coming to us. We heard the good news about Jesus. We believe the good news about Jesus. And then Christ's light came in as we rose up from the dead. Question two, where does Jesus say that being gay is sinful? Well, in the Bible, we don't read any time that Jesus specifically talks about being gay. He doesn't specifically talk about homosexuality. But when he spoke about marriage, he only spoke about a man and a woman being married. A little bit later on, when the Apostle Paul was to speak about homosexual acts, He made it clear that those actions were not acceptable to God. And so in Romans chapter 1, he says, And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And importantly, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 also includes homosexuality amongst a list of sins that Christians shouldn't do. But I want to say this. Uh, the question says, where does the Bible, where does Jesus say that being gay is sinful? Well, the Bible doesn't actually talk about being gay. It only talks about homosexual actions. It talks about homosexual behaviour. It doesn't speak of a homosexual person or a gay or a lesbian. And so that's quite significant that the, 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 um, the homosexual same-sex attraction is something that a Christian can have. But what God says is to be obedient to him and not to act out on that. Question three. Should Orthodox Christians in the Episcopal Church of the USA fight or take flight? Well, I talked about last week about how the original mainline church in the United States, the Episcopal Church, which is the equivalent of the Anglican Church, they have decided in recent years to allow same-sex marriages for parishioners and also ministers and also bishops in the church. There are many people in that church who don't believe that that's obedient to God's word, who may well have read something from Romans chapter 1, like we did. And they have tried to stay in that church and help it see its error and to repent. But sadly, the fight has been pretty brutal 
And there are stories where those ministers have been kicked out with their congregations from going into their church. In fact, there's a story, um, I've shared it with you before, but they were kicked out, the church was left vacant, and the congregation said, could we buy it off you? And they said, no, you can't. And then about a year later, they drove past, they saw that the cross was taken off, and they went inside of the building and said, who are you guys? Oh, we're the Muslims. Oh, right, what have you done here? We've bought the building. Oh, right, can I ask you how much you bought it for? And it was significantly less than was offered originally by the original Anglican church. You can't always stay. Fortunately, there's a group of Anglicans known as ACNA, the Anglican Church of North America, and they have come together and said, we didn't change, but we've been kicked out, so we're going to form together a, de- a denomination, that a diocese that is actually going to be true to the denomination of Anglicanism. And so what have they done? Well, they've come together, and uh, many of you will know that I'm part of uh, a fellowship known as GAFCON. Uh, We stand beside them and alongside them as we say, you know, we actually believe that what the Bible said back then still is true today. And so they have needed to leave. And the answer then to this question is, should they fight or take flight? And I think both are options, and it depends on their conscience. But sometimes, if they're going to stay true to what they believe, they have no choice. Verse 4. Will a Christian go to heaven if they also follow another religion? Well, Jesus made it pretty clear that he is the only way to get to God the Father. Uh, Any other God is a false God, and worshipping another God is idolatry. And so if a Christian said, you know, I'm kind of a member of a couple of different religions, I'll get into this Christian thing and I might sign up for a few others as well then in doing so, they're disobeying Jesus because Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. And I think if they disobey Jesus and they don't actually believe in the true Jesus, then they haven't been reconciled to God and been forgiven. And so the answer to this question is no. Two to come. When we sing the cross has saved us, do we commit idolatry by worshipping the cross? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Uh, this question comes, the, the context of this was uh, when I talked last week about how uh, in idolatry, a form of idolatry is when the Roman Catholics will in fact have the, um, the bread and the wine. They, they'll take the bread and the wine and they say that actually that has turned in a genuine way into the body and blood of Jesus. It's called the, the nerdy title transubstantiation. And so in doing that, what has happened is they've said, we've got Jesus's body and blood right here. So we'll sing a song to him and we'll bow down to him. And we'll even ring a little bell to say that he's arrived in the building. And I said, I don't see that in the Bible. In fact, part of what they are doing is they're saying that we need to have an event happening right here that is in some sort of way contributing to the salvation that we have. It's it's an altar because they're re-sacrificing Jesus. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus' sacrifice was once offered one full sufficient sacrifice for our sins. And so uh, anyway, the question is, do evangelicals like us do a similar kind of thing? When we talk about the cross and, and, and we, you know, we, the cross has saved us and all that kind of stuff, do we sort of exchange the cross for Christ and do we worship the cross instead of Christ? That's a good question, a really good one to ask. 
I, I did what I often do with these things. I sometimes Google it, but this time I didn't. I, um, I, uh, I did a search for the cross of Christ and looked at all the different hits in the New Testament for where it talks about the cross. And it does seem to me that the phrase, the cross of Christ, is mentioned a few times in the Bible as a kind of a summary for all the death of Jesus stuff. All the Easter stuff is talked about as the cross of Christ. And so I think it's right for us to glorify that event, of course. But but if we were worshipping the cross itself, then if we had a bit of wood and said, oh, here's a bit of it, and worshipped it, then we'd be making the same sort of mistake. We want to worship only Jesus. In fact, there's nothing else or no one else that we should worship other than God. Finally, number six. Since the Bible says, love your neighbour as yourself... Is it a sin not to love yourself? Well, it's right that we are to love our neighbour. And I think that this command from Jesus assumes that we will love ourselves. But there are times when we might find it hard to love ourselves. Uh, Sometimes we uh, might talk about poor self-esteem, which might not just be that we're a bit grumpy at ourselves, but some people will take that and it will lead them to a form of self-harm or even beyond that. And the question is, uh, is it a sin if you don't love yourselves? Uh, Well, I'm not quite sure that I would say it's a sin. But positively, let me say that God loves you. Uh, You can stand in, and this is what my maths, I've told you this story before, it's a beauty. But my maths teacher in year 11, Mr. Young, used to say, if you ever feel like you're not loved, then stand in front of the mirror in the morning and say, God loves me, so I am loved. It was a very powerful thing. I still remember it back in year 11, only eight or nine years ago. Um, (laughs) It was a very powerful thing for that teacher to say that to me and to the whole class. And I I think we need to realise how much God loves us. And therefore, when you're not feeling loved, think, well, I'm having a bit of trouble loving myself at the moment, but God loves me, so I'm lovable. And so I'll do do my best. And if he does love you, then I, I think you should love yourself as well, but not in a way that then lifts yourself up above others, because we need to be people who love our neighbour as ourselves in the positive sense. Thank you for listening to this resource from Jamboree Anglican Church. For more information, head to jamborooanglican.com.